listening to the Top Music Guitar Podcast, the show for guitar teachers to learn about the craft of teaching great guitar lessons that students love. If you're looking to start or expand your studio and make guitar teaching your full-time dream job, you've come to the right place. Each week, you'll get to hear from some of the top guitar teachers from around the globe and get their best tips and experiences so you too can build your own dream studio. I'm your host, Michael, and I've founded one of the top guitar schools in Australia, written a best-selling curriculum, and I mentor guitar teachers. I'm excited to share my expertise with you and the wisdom of all the experts we interview. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Top Music Guitar Teaching Podcast. Now guys, this is my first recording from my brand new studio. I'm coming in from Melbourne Guitar Academy, Glenn Waverley. And uh, excuse the uh, quality of this recording here, I've got a brand new MacBook Pro and as much as I'm in love with it, I had a few issues with the ports and I literally can't plug in my mouse, I can't plug in my microphone. And uh, for those of you who can see me at home, I'm in front of a pretty plain studio, but you'll get to see the evolution of that over the next couple of episodes. So very, very exciting things to come. Now, speaking of exciting things, I've got a real treat for you today. I've got an awesome guest, someone who has had a meteoric rise on Facebook, someone who's been helping beginner guitar players all around the world learn with some exciting and engaging secrets to make guitar playing a whole lot easier and to take a lot of the mystery and the difficulty out of it. So let's please welcome Mr. Den Lopez from Learning Guitar Secrets and host of his own podcast, The Beginner Guitar Podcast. Den, welcome to the Top Music Show. Hi, Michael. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure watching you, uh, you know, grow and jump into my newsfeed. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be familiar with you. If they've got a, a Facebook account and they're interested in guitar, they're bound to have come across some of your stuff over the last year. So maybe let's just start by getting you to give a brief background and overview of your story so far for the people who don't know you. Mm-hmm. You mean my story in Learning Guitar Secrets? Well, let's start with, you know, your rise as a guitar player, um, okay. playing in bands, recording an album, and then you transition to a guitar teacher as well. Sure. So, yeah, uh, the first time I played guitar, I was at recess, 14, 13, 14 years old, and a friend of mine had like a little gathering around him. And so I went up there and he was playing a Nirvana song, that famous riff everybody starts with, right? I think it's Come As You Are. I don't know. And and he was like, hey, then you want to try? So I picked it up. I went, don't, 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 you know, that riff, right? And and I was hooked. So I w- ran home. My father had a guitar. He used to play in a band and he used to play in bars and stuff like that. And I picked it up. It wasn't in tune and I tried playing it. So I had to wait for him to come home. But I was forever hooked. And so I started a band. Long story short, it didn't work. I started another one, didn't work. Started another one, didn't work. So finally, I went solo, recorded my album. And during that period, uh, a friend of mine was also recording his album. And he wasn't confident enough to play guitar on his album. And I'm like, why why, why aren't you playing guitar? He's like, ah. So he hired studio musicians. He, he hired me for one of the solos. And while the recording, before going into the studio... This is how I came up with the idea of learning guitar secrets. A friend of mine came home and saw me play. And she's like, 
oh, that's so cool. I'm signing up my daughter, which is more or less the age of my, my oldest son, was around six at the time. I'm signing up my daughter for guitar lessons. And the first thing that popped into my mind was like, don't do it. Like, oh no, what are you doing? Poor girl. And I'm a guitar lover. Like I played guitar since I was 13 or 14. But that popped into my head and I'm like, I knew the struggle she was going to go through. I knew the learning chords, the, like the teacher was going to show her twinkle, twinkle, little star. She's a six year old, you know, she's going to have this big guitar, Spanish guitar, probably huge fretboard, not going to be able to play anything for months and it's going to be frustrating, right? Well, you've been there, right, Michael? 100%. Well, in terms of, yeah, the exact, as soon as people at that age say, hey, I'm going to go do this, I'm like, oh, wait, 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 make sure you do this, this, and this. Because as you, it seems to be universal that uh, there are a whole bunch of teachers that just don't know what they're doing or don't know how to adapt their approach to the person in front of them, should they be a kid and things like that. So, yeah, it seems like you and I are already on the same page with that, but continue your story. (laughs) So, so I thought about like instantly it popped into my head, like, hey, why don't we show, this kid a D major chord, right? A D major shape. And then we can run that D major shape across the neck and she can play any any major chord song, right? Like she can play thousands of songs just with that D major shape. And then she can have fun and maybe that makes her like progress faster and, and get hooked up with the guitar, right? And then I came up with a, I, I, I looked it up and I looked the stats up and I found out that like 90 to 95% of the people who start guitar quit. And it was like, whoa, wait a minute. Why does 95% of the people who start guitar quit? Is it the people or is it the way the guitar is taught that's making people quit? You know? And I was instantly hooked. I found some little tricks, posted them online. They worked. And then I came up with the guitar in one hour method which we actually cheat because we take guitars out of the strings and strings out of the guitar to play a, a open G chord, right? And then you can move that chord to play any song you want with one finger. But that's kind of the story. And then I started posting. I posted every day, tried what worked, what didn't, and then off to the races. Yeah, and here we are today. Exactly. Yeah, and, and yeah, just you saying that the whole 98% statistic, I think I must have been like in my first or second year of teaching and I read the same thing. It was just an industry report. The The owner of the music school I worked at at the time, um, I think I'd asked him about, hey, do you have any like statistics or things that I could read about guitar teaching? And he goes, oh, we get this annual report from, I think it was like Yamaha Music at the time because they were obviously the sales moguls. Um, and they, they gave out like a, a catalog or something and it had this statistic and I remember reading and going, oh man, that's terrible. There's something we actually have to do about this. And yeah, great. Glad to hear that, uh, you know, we've had a similar idea there in terms of just going, Hey, this number doesn't seem right. What could we better do? And, and something I've said on previous podcasts and all my listeners will have heard me say this and could probably say along with me is the fact that, you know, if, if 98% of people are quitting, how many more Jimi Hendrixes or Eddie Van Halen's or um, Beethoven's or Mozart's has the world missed out on because they had a really bad teacher, you know, whether it was a guitar teacher or a piano teacher early on. Music should be a lifelong, really, really fun, engaging activity that doesn't always have to be serious. We don't want to train all of our students to be like, you know, little virtuosos or to treat them like professionals, but we can do just 
such a much better job of inspiring our students or finding what our students need early on and then nurturing them into long-term players. But I'd be keen to hear more about, um, you know, what you did to action or to counter that statistic because it sounds like, you know, it's, it's caused you to question the way of doing things which so many guitar teachers just take for granted or go, this is the way it's been done for all time, therefore I'm going to do it. But it sounds like you've done something different and gone off in a different direction there. Well, you see, like what you just said, um, like so many times, um, let me see if I can frame this. We know so much information, like it's a matter of, and I don't want to crit criticize or critique other teachers because I think everyone can, can give something of value. And, but like we know so much stuff that we want to show off a little of what we know. And students just need like the next step, the next step towards what they really want. Like, for example, students, some students want to play songs. Other people, other students want to become Jimi Hendrix. Other students just want to play Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star. So the next step towards what they really want and not what we want. I think that's the important step. Like identifying. <laughs> yeah. And I think. A great teacher is someone who knows what their students' goals are, what the student needs to get to those goals and helps them take that next step. And I think, unfortunately, too many teachers are just uh, either teaching what they think they enjoy because they want lessons to be fun for themselves, which is important. You do want to have fun and be fulfilled with your teaching, but, uh, you know, completely to the detriment of the students or other teachers just go, yep, this is the way that I learned it. And that's how my teacher learned it from his teacher and their teacher learned from their teacher. And that could go back thousands of years. Uh, but every other area of education has developed by leaps and bounds, you know, every decade, let alone over the last hundred, a thousand years. And we wouldn't take medical advice from a doctor in the twenties or sports advice from a, uh, you know, a sports coach in the sixties. What we want is the most cutting edge, groundbreaking educational techniques. And unfortunately, a lot of teachers are completely out of touch with what's working and a lot of new approaches. And I, I've analyzed that. And I think it's like when I post, I'm in a lot of Facebook groups and like I get a lot of heat, a lot of heat, but I only get heat from experienced players. Like you can't teach that. You can't teach that way. What you're saying is wrong and it's not wrong. It is some, some of the things I do, I teach are like wrong, but they're not wrong for my students. They're wrong for you that you're like level 10 and they're level minus one, you know? So it's just what they need to get to level one. And then, to level two and then to level three. Of course, you know, all the theory and all the, like you've been playing for 25 years, but they haven't. So you got to speak at a level that they can recognize without like, without the, you, you follow Russell Brunson? I do follow. I've read his three books. Yes. Without the techno battle, right? Without, with all the blah, 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 blah. I know all this stuff. And then the, as soon as you start that conversation, the student goes, okay, I'm out. Like they zone out, you know, but if you use language that they, they understand, then it's, it's like so much quicker. It's like, oh yeah, I get it. Okay. Next thing. Oh yeah, I get it. Okay. Next thing. Okay. Yeah, I get it. That's what yeah. I'm for. And I think it just comes down to, again, they've got a preconceived idea of how guitar playing should be and what should be taught. But, uh, sounds like what you do with the D chord, um, I do a similar thing and, and I'll explain to, you know, teachers in my guitar ninjas program and top music in the six figure program is 
while most guitar teachers are trying to teach people what I would call level three chords, so I, I use something called the ladder system, and I say basically, uh, you know, level one is if you're playing a chord progression, level one is a bass line, level two could be power chords, level three could be the three string movable triads that you're talking about. So you're talking about the D shape, which is the you know the second inversion triad on strings one, two, and three. Like we can get five year old, six year old kids playing entire songs using the major and minor shape of any inversion. You only need to teach them one major shape and one minor shape, two movable chords, and the notes along either string one, two, or three to reference. And all of a sudden they can play any song, including sharps and flats. And that is significantly easier than trying to get them memorizing seven to 10 different shapes and then trying to coordinate three or four fingers changing at the same time. It's just too overwhelming. It's kind of like trying to teach someone to drive a manual car or, uh, again, taking them to the gym, as I always say, and going, all right, let's do a 100-kilo bench press in your first session. They just don't have the attention span, the uh, physical technique and capability, or with some of the younger kids, the memory capacity to comprehend all that. And if you try and do all that stuff, and again, guitar players who've been playing for 25 years can memorize 10 chord shapes in 10 minutes, but someone who is just learning hasn't developed that that memory capacity yet. So again, what we take for granted and what's taken us 25 years to arrive at is going to be another two years of hard work for someone else. So yeah, all these people who go, that's not the right way to learn. Well, you go, but if you're a piano player and we said, we're going to teach you a triad, you would just go one, two, three, bang, hey, move this shape on the white keys. And so within the context of piano, that's a very basic fundamental thing within the context of guitar. It's like, oh, we've got six strings let's use all six strings every single time. And I think, unfortunately, the reason why that is taught later on, generally it's like a university thing, at least here in Australia, like, you know, you would go through the entire high school up to age 18 without ever learning about triads and how to use them. And it's only when you get to university, they teach you the fretboard and, you know, voice leading that becomes a, uh, a, a concept which you use and understand, mainly because the theory behind it takes, you know, a little bit of explaining, but the practicality and the physicality of it actually is quite easy to comprehend. Can you memorize one string and two shapes? If the answer is yes, then you can play pretty much any song that you want on the guitar. <laughs> 95% of the music you will ever want to play. Can I tell you a story about my wife? 100%. goes along with this. <laughs> it's nothing about guitar, but you'll see where I'm headed. Like we were in Menorca in, in, in Spain, right? And we were having a great time. I was driving and suddenly we go through a go-kart um, place. And we're like, oh, go-karts. And I'm like, you want to go to the go-kart? She's like, yeah, let's go. So we go there and she had never driven anything like a car. Nothing. But here's, here's the cool stuff. The guy is like, hey, have you ever driven a go-kart? She's like, no. Oh, here's a helmet. That's a steering wheel. Gas, brake, go. That was the explanation of the go-kart. And she's like, okay. And she was able to go around the track like six or seven times, right? And you should see the grin on her face. She was like this. <laughs> I can imagine. So, yeah. so like, was she able to uh, make the fast lap? No. Did she know how, like, she didn't even know if it was that way or that way, but she was having a blast driving a vehicle, right? So... I compare this to, hey, let's learn how to drive. Okay, what you say, right? This is a manual six shift, and this is the clutch, and this is the, and I'm I'm out. I'm completely out. Like, I just want to drive this thing. Isn't there like a go button? And I think showing, like, for example, um, the first three strings, right? The first, second, and three strings, it's a minor chord. 
why are we teaching our students the first day chords? We already have a minor chord. We don't need to learn chords. Now we can learn to play music with the chord that's already made for us in the guitar, right? You see where I'm headed? And also like, for example, chords. We teach our students, hey, let's learn the open chords. And then we think that a chord is like a thing, like a shape, like a something that's, and then you get this, for example. I, You know, you get this. And then you think you got to memorize all your chords. But if you teach the other way, like we're saying, like, hey, get a D shape and move it across the neck. With piano, it's very visual, right? Now you learn that a shape creates a chord and that chord is movable across the, to create all the other chords. Suddenly, cage system isn't something, ooh. Suddenly, cage system, you learned it the first day, right? See where I'm headed? 100%, yeah. So teaching chords is like, I, I like, I get a lot of heat of this, but like, don't learn open chords. And people are like, ah, how can you teach this? And I'm like, learn shapes, learn open shapes. And then you'll understand how the guitar works day one, you know, because you learned an A, okay, now it's a B, now it's a C, now it's a D, you know, just alphabet, right? Sorry, I'm just having a laugh at my, like to myself, because I know how much you must just infuriate people online and <laughs> how much hate that. But I love it. I actually do it on purpose. Like, ha, yeah. I'm going to write this headline. I'm going to get a ton of hate. And I post it on a group and it's like one up the other. But the beginners are like, oh, you just blew my mind. Like, I remember when I first started out in guitar, I thought that E and F were like separate things, you know, like that I had to. I thought that a B and an A were like completely separate stuff, you know, and that I had to learn a B7 and a C7. And like, it just, and when I put it all together, I'm like, I wish I knew this the first day. It would have been so much easier to visualize, like to understand guitar as a whole, you know, and music as a whole. 100%. And even that's just like, I can tell you right now, like I've always known the cage system, but the way you're explaining it now is getting me excited to go, hey, we have been teaching this system entirely wrong and it can be used. And again, it's one of those systems where they say, hey, wait until you get to this level of guitar playing before you worry about it. But why? <laughs> the way you've explained it there is just like really dumbs it down and simplifies it. And I do, to go back a step, really appreciate the idea where you've gone, okay, what is the go-kart equivalent of this? How do we go from, you know, uh, getting the keys to driving and having fun in the shortest amount of time possible? And if you can do that with your guitar students by going, condensing the time from they come to you for the first lesson and they leave playing something, you know, for some people it might be a whole year. Like there's people that call me up and go, hey, I've been learning with this guitar teacher for a whole year and I can't play a song yet. And you're like, okay, well, guess the first thing we're going to do in a lesson is play an entire song start to finish. So yeah, as teachers, you want to condense the amount of time between the student expressing a desire to do something and the student obtaining that outcome. And it doesn't have to be note for note perfect like the record. I think that is something so many uh, teachers get wrong is making the mistake of thinking it has to be like it does on the record or it has to be played the same way that Slash plays it, you know. But again, that, what you heard, Slash started playing guitar when he was like, you know, 10 or something. And then the first Guns N' Roses record came out when he was about 2021 20, or thereabouts. So again, there's at least 10 years of hard work before anyone and playing like 12 hours a day 
on top of yeah, on top of the fact that yeah, he just played the absolute <laughs> crap out of that guitar and developed into this, the play that he is. So yeah, it's so awesome and refreshing to hear this. But yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, creating inflammatory headlines? Because you know, unless you've got a whole bunch of people hating on you, it, uh, you, you're not even successful unless you have people angry and out to get you and and. I won't say making enemies is the uh, the right word, but if you're inflaming people, you're igniting that kind of passion where they want to prove you wrong and argue. They just end up doing all the promotion work for you. That's that's yeah, that's completely right. I love it, and and you got to be. If you read Russell Brunson, he he calls it the prolific zone. Like you can't be totally crazy. Like hey, play your guitar without strings. That's stupid. You know. But you can't be in the mainstream because then it's what everybody does and it doesn't really work, like we said, right? Uh, 95% of the people quit. So there's there has to be like a, a somewhere in, in the middle where we can spike it up and maybe only 60% of the people quit, you know? Or or at, lot, at least not, like, for example, I had a student and I showed her the guitar in one hour method. Took the first string out, the the fifth string, and the sixth string. Now you're left with an open G. You can play any blues, Johnny Cash, whatever, Beatles, you know. And she didn't progress from there. But she can pick up her guitar at any party and play songs, you know. She's got that for life. Maybe three years from now, she'll pick it up again and try to play minor chords and try to play bar chords and progress from there, you know, but at least she has an opportunity. At least she has a chance to become a player and to express herself, you know? Yeah. I think the long-term game is something that a lot of people overlook is the fact that everyone, especially in this instant gratification culture, just wants to be really good straight away. And yes, there are so many things and you're probably a really good example of this is, I like to call them guitar hacks. You probably call them the secrets as, as you talk about is there's a whole bunch of things we can do by simplifying the process to give people easy victories. But on top of that, we do want to say, hey, we've got to be realistic that we've got to build towards this over the next two, three, five, ten years. And, you know, hopefully 30, 40, 50 years from now, you're still going to be playing guitar. Uh, and I, I think that's something, again, that teachers lose sight of is the fact that um, we've, we may have our students for a long time on their journey. We may have them for only a small amount of time on their journey, but what can we do to make their journey with us that time there, you know, memorable, fun, enjoyable, and to give the students everything they need to ultimately be independent of needing us. Exactly. I think, and I think the word, I love the, what you said, independent, like so many, I've come across so many people, not only in the guitar teaching world, but like once you create something and once you put it out there, it's not yours anymore. It's for your people. It's for the people you're meant to serve, right? It, you can't take ownership of that. Like now it's theirs. It's for them. You're creating things for your students in this case, right? Or for whoever, if you're an artist, for your public, you know, if you're a mechanic, for your clients. It's for them. It's not about you. It's about them. And I think that's very important. That's what I keep in mind every time I get heat. It's like, if you're giving me heat for what I'm teaching, you're not who I'm meant to serve. You already know this. Get out of the way. Let me attack. Attack. Let me reach the people that really need me because you don't need me. I'm not going to teach you. You know more than I do. Get out of the way. <laughs> I'm coming through. That's it. That's a really, really good way of explaining it. And ultimately, 
a lot of people online and some of the teachers listening to this, um, you know, they get worried about haters or trolls or people like that. But at the end of the day, those people are never going to buy anything from you anyway. Those people are never going to say anything positive. And, uh, you know, some people just aren't happy unless they're complaining. So just do what you got to do. Reach the audience you're trying to reach. Don't let anyone, haters especially, stop you from getting through to your audience and helping people. And if you know in your heart that you're doing good work, that you're helping people, and even if you're going completely against conventional wisdom, if what you're doing is working and you can help a lot of people, that will hopefully become the conventional wisdom of, uh, you know, the future of the next five years or the next 10 years or, you know, the next lifetime of students. And, you know, how many times recently have we been given one bit of advice and then six weeks later, it's completely wrong and they've changed the story in the tune. I can think of a couple of recent (laughs) examples in the last two years, especially. But, you know, how many things have you taken for granted and then you find out years later that it was completely wrong or new research comes out? So, yeah. Bluefish, for example, <laughs> right? Remember? Remember when bluefish was like the, the omega-3, like you got to eat all bluefish, and now it's like, hmm, it's not that good for you. <laughs> yeah. Remember when smoking was good for you? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But, yeah, I find uh, coming back to what you said about haters and stuff like that, like – if I can give a word of encouragement to teachers that want to test things out and have ideas that they think can work, but they're know they're going to get a lot of heat is that uh, like, if you can, I heard this once, um, you gotta, you gotta concentrate on the people that are swimming towards you. The story, maybe you've heard about it. Like when a ship sinks and there's people like drowning in the sea, right. And the helicopter comes, they only save the people that are swimming towards them. They don't care about anyone else. They can't save everyone. They only save the people that are swimming towards them. So look for those people. Like if you have something that's in the crazy zone and you put it out there and someone swims towards you, focus on them. Don't focus on the haters because they are loud. They can, they can get in your head and, and, and make you stop and, Ultimately, what you have to offer is probably good. So that's that's like shooting down the rescue helicopter. Don't let anyone shoot down the rescue helicopter. It's got good work <laughs> <Exactly>. to do. <laughs> that that exactly. is such a great analogy, and I hope all the listeners are writing that one down. Uh, great it's not mine, by the way. I'll, I'll look it up. I'll let you know who, whose it is. Well, great advice for business, but also great advice if you do find yourself in the ocean <laughs> and the helicopter comes. Exactly. Towards Swim towards, towards the helicopter. And if you see a shark, punch him in the nose. It's all that yeah, sort of exactly, stuff. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now, now you've mentioned, um, you know, obviously haters and, and posting uh, headlines that may, you know, just get attention and, and rustle a few jimmies, you know, rile people up one way or the other. What are some other things you've done? Uh, because literally – you know, you came out of nowhere and I think I saw you had a thousand likes on your page and it was 5,000. Then last time I checked, it was 10,000 or thereabouts. So you've had a meteoric rise. What have you done intentionally to build that social media fall? I've done it all organically. And what I've done is publish every day actively, like really think my posts, really do research, go into groups, forums, anything I can find that is like spiked my attention. And then I, like, I spend maybe two to three hours per post per day, just thinking about like, really, because I focus on beginners. So like, what are their pains? What are their struggles? Like, what are they thinking when they're holding their guitar? 
why does this not make sense, right? And then trying to both with the headline, with the to get attention, with the script, with the with the copyright, and with the diagram itself or the video, how can I help that person, not a whole bunch of people, that one person overcome what they're struggling? And hopefully that person also is another person that has the same question. You know how it works, right? When you're in a room and someone asks a question and they answered the question you had, or they answered the question that you didn't even know you had. So that's how I think about it. Amazing stuff. And are you teaching like 100% exclusively online and being a content creator, or are you still running like offline lessons and, and offline? I, I do some, I, I do um, offline to like locally. I teach in English and I live in Spain. So that's like kind of a, I don't get a lot of, of, of Spanish students. And I do teach online through Zoom, but mostly is 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 through through my courses. Yeah, awesome. And what advice would you have for you know the people who are trying to sell courses? Because it seems like you know every man and his dog at the moment, especially on the back of being locked down for two years, when you really had nothing else to do but go out and create a course. For those who want to create a course or have created a course and can't get it off the ground, what advice would you have for those listeners there? Because I'm sure a lot of our listeners, you know, have, have dabbled or entertained the idea. Yeah. Get a coach that knows what he's doing. Like I, that's, that's two things. Get a coach that knows what he's doing and hack people that are successful doing it. Like what are their, that's something I do a lot too. Like I go through Facebook and anything that spikes my attention, anything I buy, I like archive it into, into folders. Like this was the ad, this was the copy, this was the, the sales page, this was the email I got. You know, I try to keep it all in folders. And what, why did I get interested in this? Like, because ultimately you're trying to sell to people, like trying to sell people that are not like you, it's hard. It's easier to sell to people that are like you, right? Because you understand them. So anything that spikes your attention, of any course you buy, why did you buy it? What was the ad? What was the image that you're like, oh, that's interesting. And also get a coach that has done it before and that can guide you. You're a coach, for example. You've done it many times. Uh, I would recommend that because like, you're trying to figure it out, but a coach goes like, boop. Okay, now you're here. You know that's it, and you know not just to try and steal sh- <laughs> my own products and things like that, but the benefit of having a coach who's already done what you're trying to do is they literally just get you from A to B faster than you would ever get it done on your own. Um, and a, a great quote that uh, a good friend of my father, my my family, said to me once: He goes, Michael, uh, you know, good advice is expensive, but bad advice costs you even more. And ultimately, at the end of the day, you end up paying for everything, <laughs> whether it's in money, whether it's in time, or whether it's pain and frustration. So uh, while coaching fees, uh, and there's a lot of great coaches giving great stuff out for free. If we felt like, for example, you're a great example of somebody who obviously gives away so much value for free and then gets people in that way and then has stuff that people can opt in for as well. So uh, there's that, that didn't exist 10 years ago, you know, because it's a completely different world. Like most people, you know, never gave away stuff for free like they do now. But, you know, you can get uh, free stuff. You can get inexpensive advice, which is great. And you can get really high ticket advice, 
which is really great. And you can get a mix of both, but unless you're investing into some sort of mentorship, like in this day and age, in this ultra competitive market, you can't afford to be trying to figure things out because the people who are organized and the people who do have coaches and the people who know what they're doing, they're just going to womp you every single time. <laughs> like you don't just compete against the guitar teacher around the corner. You're now competing against musician, Fender Play, and a million other guitar websites with million-dollar budgets. So uh, unless you have some way of, of staying sharp and effective and moving quickly by finding a coach who can give you those tips, like how do you even compete? Uh, yeah, how, how do you – like – what I've seen is all the information is free, like it's out there, but organizing it into a way that works, that's what you're paying for, right? Like, okay, I know that I got to do this and this, and but it's all floating around in the ether. Like, what do I do? And you get confused and like, ah, you know, but then suddenly someone has figured pieces out and has put it in into, okay, processes, right? I'm all into processes, like do this and then do that. Checklist, right? this, 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 you've done it all. Okay, let's move to stage two. Boom, 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 stage three. And then wait, oh, wow. I was doing a hundred a month. Now I'm doing a thousand. What did, what changed? You don't even know. It's that process, you know? And now I'm doing 2000. Oh, what? I'm in stage five in the program or in my coach or whatever it is, right? So yeah, getting a coach and paying for it is is one of the best things I've done. Yeah, and I can attest to that. I've uh, been in a couple of programs with various mentors, some uh, one within the realm of music uh, and uh, one or two outside of music. And every single time I'm in a plateau and I can't get to that next level, and I've gone and, you know, gone to a mentor who can get me that next level, like the results have always come quicker than I thought possible. And I've never once said, man, I regret investing into that. <laughs> Even to the point where, you know, I will buy a. $30 book off, you know, Amazon and somehow make an extra thousand dollars for that month out of that one little book, even if I just got one little idea. And that's something that I say to myself every single time is, you know, how can I use an idea in here to make money? So, you know, every single thing I do provides some sort of return on investment. And sometimes I'll, you know, go back and read a book I bought two years ago or five years ago and reread it again and, and go, oh, wow, there's a whole bunch of things I missed the first time or because I wasn't at this point of maturity or this stage, as I said, going from when I was at level two, this wasn't relevant or I wasn't even aware of it. Now that I'm at level five or eight or 10, there are so many more opportunities that I missed the first time around. So yeah, guys, if you're like, you know, if you can't afford mentorship at this point, uh, one thing I highly recommend is you just allocate some sort of monthly budget to trying to improve yourself, whether that's as a guitar player, even though you might be a gun guitar player and teach yourself, are you still getting a teacher who's higher than you and better than you? I I'm getting lessons from Scott Henderson at the moment. He's absolutely kicking my butt <laughs> on the guitar. Like, you know, I thought I was good at guitar and then, man, he did he prove me wrong. <laughs> but again, the, the learning never stops. And if you want your students to be practicing, if you want your students to be good students who practice and are motivated and do all, you need to be the example for them. You need to be that good student yourself and set the example for your students, whether that's in your own personal guitar playing or going out and getting mentoring. But yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with what you're saying here. And anyone here, uh, the point I was going to make just then is if you're not currently getting mentorship, you need to at least start with books. If you can't get a coaching program from, uh, you know, Den here, go and check out his book. I believe you've got a book coming out soon, Den. Is that correct? Yeah, it's it's a free, it's a playbook. Um, I put 
it's like a compilation of the most engaging posts, the ones that got the most, <gasps> now I understand it. Like the ones that put two pieces together and, and make guitar understandable, I put them all in a little playbook with explanations and a little training that goes with it, which is very cool. Awesome. And where can the listeners uh, find that book or get it when it comes out? It's by the time of this, uh, at this airs out, it's going to be out. Uh, you can get it for free. It's not like you got to print it out. I'm still working on, on how to send it and stuff like that, but you can print it out as a PDF and you can get it at learningguitarsecrets.com forward slash free. Awesome. So write that one down guys. And, uh, we'll of course make sure we put that in the link to wherever you're listening to this podcast. So, uh, we'll have a link straight to that. And again, that's an example of there's some free stuff out there. Get started with the free stuff, find what resonates with you because different, uh, mentors resonate with different people. You know, I'm a, a very go getter, you know, make lots of money, no, uh, BS kind of approach. And that works great with the kind of personalities that match mine and, and resonate. Um, Tim has got lots of great programs. Johnny from Builder Music School has lots of great programs. There's no shortages of mentors out there. So definitely, you know, all you have to do is type in a Google search, how do I do this? Or go to YouTube, how do I do this? And you'll get a bunch of different results and then just start consuming the content. And if it's good and it works, implement the free stuff and then when that makes you more money, take some of that money and invest it into paid programs. And, and that I could say is, I was literally thinking about this before. I was like writing down a big list of um, YouTube episodes and things I talk about maybe in a, a short form podcast, uh, literally looking at your list of things going, wow, there's a whole bunch of 10, 20 minute episodes. Maybe I should be doing this with guitar teaching myself. And one of them was like uh, my journey. And I remember back in 2015 when I first you know got serious about teaching before I was ever earning $100,000 teaching, I literally said to myself, 10% of my budget is going to go back into advertising and 10% of my budget is going to go into making life better for myself. So I would put 10% towards coaching or reading books or products, which would help me improve who I was. And another 10% went into advertising. So again, if that was like, you know, $100, if I made $1,000 in July, uh, then I took $100 and invested that into advertising and $100 and invested that into personal development and growth. And then all of a sudden I made like $1,500 in August. So then I had, I was going to stuff myself with mass, $150 to invest into each of those two areas. And then the next month was like $3,000. Then I had $300 uh, you know, to put into each of those areas there. And it just kept growing exponentially. And when you do it like that, you, you really can't lose. You, you, you're taking money and putting it to what you need to, your tax, your business expenses, a bit of fun, all those kind of things. But as long as you're putting some of your surplus into things that are going to give you a return and grow your business, you'll become unstoppable. And that's literally one of the, you know, the hacks that I would talk about as one of my secrets of growth, which is consistently investing into myself and into my business. Yeah. And, and that has to be day one, like paycheck, whatever it is, or payroll, whatever it is, comes in, aside. Like what's left, you play with that. But that has to be like donations. I donate every every month. And as soon as I get money, a percentage goes to donations, right? As soon as I get money, mentorship. As soon as I get money, like have you read Profit First? Yes, I have. It's that principle, right? And, and it works. It works. And also like if somebody's scared about investing in themselves. Just think about this. Uh, like a good 
program, I'm not saying coaching, but a good program can go anywhere from 500 to to $1,000, right? More or less. That'll get you rock and rolling very fast. $1,000 five years from now, is it going to make a difference in your bank account? Like, no, you'll spend it in coffee, you'll spend it in beers going out, you'll spend it in whatever it is, right? But if it works, if it gives you one idea that takes you a little bit higher, then your bank account five years from now is going to be a lot bigger, exponentially bigger, right? So investing that money shouldn't be scary. It should be exciting. It should be like, yes, <laughs> you know, I'm going to go to the top. Very nice. 100%. And you know, if people actually audit their bank accounts and figure out how much money they're wasting on silly things, like if you're like, oh, I can't afford a, a coaching program, but you spent $500 on takeaway food for that month. Or uh, I tell this story where um, I used to play in a band uh, and I'd say we were a C-level band. So within the metal scene, we were fairly well known from my home home city of Australia and on a national level, not so much, but, you know, we were getting a lot of the international supports and things like that. So, and I was fortunate enough to sign up with ESP Guitars. So I was on their artist roster. And um, there was a guy who uh, was a great player uh, in a similar level band who was renowned for having a bit of a, a drug habit. And we played a, we, we shared a, a show. We were on the same uh, lineup one night and he came up to me backstage and he was just like, yeah, it wasn't actually backstage. It was in the, the beer garden of the, the venue. And he's like, oh, it must be nice to have, to be rich and have all this money to buy equipment with. And I just said to him like, dude, if, if I, uh, if you didn't have a $400 a weekend drug habit, then you could probably afford all like the, the things that I have. And unfortunately, you know, with musicians, so many of them just fall into the trap of, you know, parting it up, having a good time, wasting money on on drugs and alcohol and all these pointless things. And, you know, I never touch any of that sort of stuff. I'm fortunate that alcohol was never really big in my parents' house. I think I was generally 18. It was my 18th birthday when I had my first, like, drink. <laughs> I was a good little Catholic boy. And um, I'm not trying to put my views on anyone here, but, you know, coming from that perspective of, of it just not being normal to go out and drink or to spend a ton of money on the weekends. Um, I had staff who would be like, you know, I'd, I'd pay them uh, on, on Wednesday and I'd have like one guy, I would pay him on Wednesday and then Friday night he'd message me and he'd be like, oh, I'm going out. Can you, do you mind paying to putting my pay in a bit early this week? And I'd be like, dude, how did you spend all your money in two days <laughs> like that? And then he wanted to go and spend even more like over the weekend. And I'm like, oh, this is crazy. So, I, you know, I, I've, I can understand how easy it is to do uh, and how some people just live for the weekend. But I think one of the big advantages for me is just being able to delay that gratification and prioritize what's important to me and go, yeah, you know what? I can spend $50 on a slab of beer or a, uh, a bottle of alcohol. And mind you, in Australia, alcohol is ridiculously expensive because of all the taxes. So every yeah, time I, I mean, go- $50? I live in Spain, the, the, the country of wine. So here it's like $3. Bottle of Jack Daniels is $50 for a one liter bottle here. So and it's probably gone up with like, you know, I haven't bought one <laughs> in a good amount of years, but uh, I'm sure it's gone up with all the inflation and things. But yeah, I, this guy was an example of someone with that mindset of, yeah, drugs, no problem. Alcohol, no problem. Partying and going out and takeaway food, no problem. But invest in yourself? How dare you?
and, and, you know, offended at the fact that I was telling people, hey, you can make money from music. And he totally just bought into this starving artist. And, you know, it was a bit of a, a controversial kind of thing. A lot of people really got drunk, right, you know, wound up by it. But it was just at the end of the day, like, you just need to be smart with what you invest into. And again, you pay for it, like what you said, like, you're going to spend a thousand bucks on stuff uh, five years from now anyway. Like, just be smart about what it is and get excited about putting it into the good things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the beauty about profit first. Like, I understand is it's for me it was like a big mind shift. The first program I bought mentorship was five hundred dollars, and I remember like like shaking with my with my mouse because it was like how am I going to spend five hundred? Like what's in this? You know, five hundred dollars is a lot of money. Like what's inside that? I I want you to show me page per page, and then I thought about it and it's like I'm being ridiculous. Like and I thought about. Five years from now, how much is a $500? And then I just clicked. And from there, I've invested many times. But the beauty about Profit First is that you can still have, if you're into it, the drugs, right? <laughs> because, yeah, because some people are into it. But, like, you can – you as soon as the money comes in, you already set aside it for, for investment. And you set aside some fun money. It can be drugs. It's been going out with your with your boyfriend or girlfriend. It can be like spending time with your kids. Whatever it is that brings you enjoyment, you already have that chunk, and you can spend it freely. Like if it's a hundred, it's a hundred. I can spend it on whatever I want. If it's three hundred, cool. It might be three thousand, thirty thousand, but it's there for you to spend. Right. The other money is already set aside, which is very cool. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And it's just. I'm a very frugal person and for me, I totally understand there's some things you need to buy, some things you need to treat yourself with, Uh, but there's nothing worse than someone who has a a $10,000 to $15,000 guitar collection and can't play because they think guitar lessons are a scam or that lessons are a waste of time and money. I'm sure everyone listening to this knows that one person or that one student who, again, will does not blink an eye on dropping three grand for a new guitar or five grand for a new Les Paul. But then they say, oh, yeah, $50 for a lesson is too much or $100 for a lesson is too much. So, uh, And that's where it's important to be persuasive and help people see the value. And, uh, again, some of our listeners, guys, if you're going, oh, what, what, what the hell are these guys talking about? We're deep into entrepreneur zone. And hopefully if you listen to this going, what are they actually talking about? You will realize that if you're at the beginning of your guitar teaching journey, that's like the level one you. And I often like to think of life as a video game except that every time you invest into yourself, just like uh, I used to play a game called RuneScape uh, and also World of Warcraft, which I'm sure a couple of people can relate to. But you play like a Dungeons and Dragons style uh, video game or an RPG game or whatever. You know, there's a warrior, there's a wizard, there's an archer, there's a bunch of different characters. And yeah, the wizard has magic skills and intelligence and the warrior has strength skills and, you know, combat kind of thing. When you're an entrepreneur or a, a music teacher creating a business, there's lead generation skills, there's communication skills, there are investing skills, there's financial offense and financial defense skills. There's your teaching skills, there's your arsenal of uh, you know, techniques you use to explain things. These are all levels of your own character you have to invest into developing. And you know all the business stuff, you have to read books, go to seminars, do programs, um, you know, work on it daily to improve and then get in the trenches of your business. You know how you get good at calling people and having great conversations is to do 
a thousand phone calls. If you want to get good at teaching people, you have to teach a thousand lessons. I've, I've said this on other episodes of the podcast. The reason I got so good so quickly is because I had 142 students, which I taught every single week for almost 12 months straight. Was that sustainable long-term? No, but like 142, every 10 weeks, I was teaching a thousand lessons or thereabouts, teaching a thousand people to play guitar. And that was, you know, every every 10 weeks. So that's 4,000, 4, close to 5,000 lessons in a single year. That's more than what most people do in you know five to 10 years of teaching. That is how you get good very quickly just by the sheer volume of repetition. But if you could take one thing away from what I'm getting at, we'll get back to talking about guitar teaching now. <laughs> it's treat life like a video game and get addicted to the process. If I'm in RuneScape killing goblins, Sometimes that was a grind, but I know every goblin I killed was 20 extra experience points. And after I killed 100 of them, I would level up and get a new skill point. Then I'd go kill, then I'd have to kill 120, then I'd have to kill 150. It kept on getting longer in between. Same thing with World of Warcraft. I'd go kill 100 spiders in the <laughs> in the forest or whatever. But if you're doing that with real life, every lesson you teach, every phone call you make, every financial or business decision you do, just builds on your experience. And just like in the video game, you have to get to a certain level before a certain ability unlocks or a certain area of the game opens itself up to you. And that's you know some of the things we've been talking about the last five minutes that people are going, oh, well, what are they talking about? This is just so beyond me. You will get to this level in your business or get to this level in your teaching. You just need to keep on investing into yourself, whether that's time or that's money, or you know, it's definitely going to be energy, but you'll get there. Yeah. I, I don't know if you follow uh, Steve Larson at all steve larson or no i'm well, thinking of james he, larson he has a quote he's yeah. like um wow how is it it's money is faster than time or like there's if you get money you can buy time for someone's experience for someone's um knowledge you can buy that from him like a book what you said right investing 15 dollars into a book write in a book i mean First, you're condensing like 10, 15, 20, 25 years of experience into a book. And then it takes, what, a year, two years of writing, rewriting, rewriting, rewriting until you get it right. And then you buy it for $15. It's ridiculous. They should cost $500, you know, $15. And you've got all of this person's knowledge inside of there for you to consume for $15, which is, to me, is incredible, you know, and why wouldn't I spend $15 to get into someone's brain, right? 100%. And the right $15 in the right person's brain can literally give you a return of hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. <laughs> I'll keep this as a secret. Like, guys, if you want to know which book that I read that 100% is responsible for me making my first $100,000 in a single year teaching guitar, shoot me a message, Michael, at topmusic.co or hit out reach out to me at, you know, at Michael Gumley on pretty much any social media platform. And I will happily tell you the answer to that. And I can guarantee you there is one book that I read, which instantly translated. I'm not going to tell you right here, right now, you have to reach out to me, Give a bit of a tease there, but uh, one definitely exists and there might be a book out there for you. This one definitely resonated with me. Uh, and I'd be happy to share, you know, all my top business book recommendations or even guitar teaching book recommendations. Uh, awesome. That would be a great podcast. Well, I'm sure, yeah, definitely. Podcast, YouTube episode, uh, um, that one will definitely come down the pipeline. Uh, but Dan, I noticed before you you said um, 
you know, you, you get up and sometimes you think about, you know, a single post for three hours, whether that's the writing it, the reflecting upon it, the posting it and the constructing it. And then I guess you've got to sit there and respond to it as it goes uh, live and all those things. But what's a typical day in the life of a online content creator look like? It's lonely. It's very lonely. I, I, I wasn't expecting it. Like, um, I'm, I'm getting very sincere here, but I, I actually put on my calendar, like call my friends because, um, when you're sitting in front of the computer every day, like you interact with people and now we're talking now, now this feels like a friendly conversation and I'm having fun, right? But being able to touch, to feel, to speak to different people in the street, outside of your room is something very special that I took for granted. And as soon as I got full in, like left my job and started this, uh, it's been lonely. So, so yeah, you want to know my routine or you want to know what, what I feel doing it? Well, I'm, I'm not in a hurry. So if you've got time, we can talk about both. Yeah. So, so for anyone listening, I wake up at five every day. Uh, so I have some free time for myself and, and yeah, I wake up, read, think and grow rich. I've read it like four times already. I'm, I just reread it. And every time, that's what you said earlier, Michael, um, every time you read and you're in a different level or a different state, you pick up different things, like things I underline, they make no sense. And now I underline new things, right? So I, I read that and then I go into the studio into this, I call it the closet because it's very little. And I just look at things I already have prepared, do some research and I write my post. I share it with the groups I, I like sharing and I write to my email list and then I take my kids to school. That's like my morning routine. And then I go into the coaching program I respond to all the messages. That's a whole another story. But yeah, I, I spend like two and a half hours like reflecting about what I want to give to the world that day. That's awesome. And I'm a big believer of the, uh, you know, the 5 a.m. routine, get all the important things you need to do done at the start of the day. And then you got the whole rest of the day to do all the other stuff. And, and I think that's like post every day. Because it's free. I mean, you've got a publishing platform. Like people are seeing you, and you don't need radio. You don't need TV. It's like it's very powerful. And not only that, you'll find what resonates with. Like, I posted things that I thought were gonna blow up. Like, oh, I'm gonna kill it. I'm done. Game over. You know, this is the mecca of posting, and it got like two likes. And I'm like, what? And then I post something ridiculous. And it explodes. So you got to expand on that. Like, take what's working because that resonated with your audience, right? And expand on that and get what's not working. Don't delete it. Just don't pay so much attention on that. Just do what's working. And, and like my diagrams, you've seen my diagrams, right? Like, I was just messing around because I didn't like the diagrams online. So I, with Canva, just trying different colors, posted it, boom exploded okay diagrams work visuals i gotta focus on visuals boom 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 and now i've got like over 150 diagrams in the folder you know so yeah yeah that's awesome and uh 
I know some people are just itching to hear little things like that, but did you find a particular color com- combination worked really well for you? Uh, for some reason, I picked orange one day. I don't know why. And it stuck with me. I like orange. I like blue and I like red. Maybe I'm because I'm from Barcelona and it's the, the colors from Barca here in Football Club Barcelona, you know. So, yeah. I don't know. I use red, I use blue, I use orange and mostly white, white backgrounds and stuff like that. Awesome. Yeah. I always get like, um, asked like, what, what's the best, I used to get hung up on this as well. I heard just somewhere that like IBM blue is like the best converting. And if you've ever read any of the Russell Brunson stuff, they're always talking about what color does the button need to be? You know, I think sometimes there's definitely a science, uh, whether it's just subconscious human, psychology or whether it's whatever it is to buttons and colors and things like that. And other times you just need to get the the vibe that works with you and matches who you are and resonates with your audience as well. And I think um, more than buttons, colors, copy, I mean, that's crazy stuff. And you can split test and do all kinds of stuff, right? But I think what really, what really hooks people in are stories and stories that they can say like, yeah, you understand me, you know, like what you're saying, I'm feeling. And if you can create that, they don't care about the button color. They don't care about how big the font is. It can literally say, who, who said that? Like, I'm, I'm going off topic. But yeah, if you can find a story that resonates with who you're targeting, that's very powerful, I think. And I did have a question coming up a bit later about, you know, what do you think it is you're doing that's resonating with so many people? Or why do you think what you're doing resonates with so many people? Is it because you're telling stories and engaging them? It's because, like, I learned without any mentoring, without any teaching, without any courses, without – I just figured it all out. Like, for example, let me tell you this story. I was playing with my uncle. <laughs> Tell me the story. <laughs> Sorry. Another story. Let's see if someone resonates with it, right? Yeah. I was playing at a party with my uncle, and and someone like said, "Hey, can you play this song?" And my uncle said, "I don't know the chords to the song, but yeah, just a second. So he started looking for the chords, and I'm like, you know, like my my uncle has like this brutal musical talent, musical gift. He was born with this. I used to feel like he started looking for the chords using the sixth and the fifth string, obviously, in bar chords. Easy, right? But I didn't know that an F was the same as a G, was the same as an A. Like, I didn't know you could do that. And I was just staring at him, like, completely amazed at what he was doing. And I didn't get those pieces together for years. So, like, I really felt guitar is stupid. Like, I could play amazing solos, but I didn't know why I was playing them. Like, I knew one scale. I knew the A minor pentatonic scale in one position. And because almost everything is played in A minor, (laughs) it worked almost every time. And because it's very close to the E minor pentatonic also, it worked in almost any song. But when it didn't work, I was like, "Hmm, okay. And I didn't know why. And I didn't know why for many, many, many years. So I know how difficult it is, how abstract the guitar is for a beginner. I really, really, really know because I played for many years without knowing it. And when I put it together, it was like, oh, 
how did how did I know did not know this? But I I'm I'm gonna be sincere here. It was many, many, many years, like many years. Like we're talking 10 or 15 years into my guitar playing that I didn't go like that, you know. So yeah, I think uh, that resonates with my people. Uh, it definitely resonates with me. Uh, I'm sitting here right now going, yeah, I reckon it was like three, four years. I was in my second or third year of university studying music before, like string five and six are all the root notes and just apply one of the two bar chord shapes. And I'm like, man, it used to just be a, an entire mystery. I would be like, how does this work? Or I remember it taking like two weeks to memorize a song. And now it's just like, I was thinking about it the completely wrong way. I was trying to memorize individual things as opposed to just thinking of a progression and applying the shapes, as you said. And as soon as I did that, and the thing that our students never understand, you might even say this to your students, I'm sure some of our listeners do, is like, when I learned this, it was so hard. It was never explained to me this way. And it used to take me like two years to figure this stuff out. And now I'm giving it to you. And you're so lucky to have me as a teacher because I'm saving you so much time. And I don't think they really appreciate it because, again, they learned, they get to learn from all of our failures, from all of our experiences, from all the pains and frustrations we did. And that circles back to, you know, the importance of getting a teacher or a great mentor is someone who can take you from A to B in the shortest time possible. And again, if it took me three years to figure it out, you know, you get that from day one and that's going to save you so much time. Mm -hmm. Just like, for example, when I discovered that guitar is really two strings, like sixth and fifth are the same as uh, fourth and third are the same as second and first, only frets apart, like, it's exactly the same sequence, you know? And I remember trying to memorize the fretboard, and I'm like, oh. and this is not the best way to memorize the fretboard, but it makes you understand that it's really not that hard, you know? Or when I discovered that chords are made out of three notes, basic chords, you know, majors and minors, and that when you pluck all three, when you strum all three, six strings, you're repeating notes. And that to me was like, really? Like it's very easy with piano because what you said, you just one, two, three. Oh, that's a chord. And now move that shape three keys that way. Oh, no, that's another chord. So you, it's easy as a student to understand how it works. But guitar is so abstract. And this note is this one. And why does it jump around? And why does this one, you know, it's hard for a beginner to get the full picture and and like bringing it down into little steps like hey look at this and they're like oh and now look at this now look at that and now you've got the whole picture at least as a foundation of what you want to accomplish is 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 beautiful it's i i live for those moments like did you know this i didn't like you're seeing the light you know and and they're like i'm seeing the light wait wait and they get all excited it's it's very very exciting yeah, that's totally awesome. And I know anyone listening to this, like anyone watching this, we can see the excitement on your face, but every, anyone listening, just take it from my word. You can, I can literally see Dan getting so into it and it's just so authentic there. Uh, what are, you, you mentioned a number of awesome things on this podcast so far, but if you can narrow it down to, you know, three learning secrets that um, our listeners can put into practice with their own students, what are three big game changes that you use with your beginning guitar students to create results that a lot more teachers could benefit from knowing? I would think um, probably the biggest one is like listening to what they really want. Like really, instead of, hey, day one guitar lessons, I'm thinking of, I don't know if you're thinking about this, but I'm thinking of of like in-person or online 
one-on-one or maybe group coaching. Like instead of the first lesson being, okay, I'm going to teach you guitar is okay. Let me ask you some questions so I can know what to teach you, you know, like really listening to what that student wants, their story. Why are they, why do they want to play guitar? Where do they want to head? What are they expecting from you? You know, those, those, those are um, questions I ask and that really give me feedback to where to take the teaching, you know? That, be, that would be the biggest one. Uh, another one, you asked for three? Yes. Right. <laughs> All right, another willing, one. You are so willing to give up three. <laughs> okay, another one would be probably like think, trying to think how they are thinking, like what I just said. Like I spent 10 or 15 years trying to put those pieces together to make it all cohesive, right? And trying to think where they are instead of what you want, where you want them to be at, right? Where are they really? And what's the little next step that they need to get where they told you they want to go? You know, like not the, I I see people like, yeah, let's learn your scales and they show you the whole scale. Like, it's like, it's too much. It's too much. Can I please learn if it's a pentatonic scale, a little box? And now we can play through that box. And now you can teach me, okay, now that box is repeated, three frets down, two frets, you know, and things like that, that are like little, you don't need the whole picture the first time. You just need like a little piece and then we'll build on, on that, right? Thinking of where they are at that moment and teaching them something that they can assimilate instead of information. Whoa. Get ready for information. Here it comes. And you're like, you're trying to shove something down their throat. No, it doesn't work. And number three, okay. Maybe it would be avoid what Russell Brunson says is techno babble. Avoid using, let's learn theory. You know, that's something like, ah, first day, I'm going to show you the major scale. It's like just something that throws at almost everyone out the window. It's like, okay, I'm out of here. I don't want to learn this. You know, I didn't come here for this. I came here for to play guitar, to play songs, to express myself, things like that. Those are the things I hear. Awesome. Uh, I think our listeners could definitely take a lot from those three little secrets you've shared. No, you know, pass something back there in terms of uh, if you teach a scale the right way, because one of the very first things I do with my students is actually teach them the E minor scale. And the way I simplify it is, hey, uh, maybe I can teach it to you right now is, hey, can you repeat after me? 0235. 0235. Cool. 0235. You say it three times and you play it three times. Say it three times? Yeah, you say it three times and then you play it three times. So on the very first string of the guitar, they play zero, two, three, five. And then I get them to do four one more numbers. I say, all right, now say after me, seven, eight, ten, twelve. Seven, eight, ten, twelve, seven, eight, and ten, get twelve, three times. Three times. Cool. And then I'll get them to play that three times, of course. And then I'll say, all right, what are all eight numbers? Can you read them out for me? And I'll get them to say that three times. I'll say, well, oh two, three, five, seven, eight, ten, twelve. Can you shut your eyes and say it for me? great if you can say it you can play it and then all of a sudden in 30 to 60 seconds we've taught them how to play a scale and then as they're playing up and down that scale i'll start playing an e minor chord maybe an e minor to a g and 
give them some context and that will sound see, really really awesome <laughs> and of course but see you, you it's it's in a different way you put you're you're making them you're making them win so you're like i was afraid like oh maybe i got into trouble but no i see what you're doing like you're you're now that you can create melodies on top of what you're playing right that's what you're that's saying right? and that's the very next exercise you say hey these are the numbers it's like this is paint by numbers uh coloring you know you give a kid if you want them to make it look spectacular all they need to do is match the right crayon or the right pencil to the number in the box if you can match to these numbers zero two three five seven eight ten twelve to the chords i'm playing and i'm only going to play ones that work with what you're playing you are going to hit all the right notes and if they can't do that you just just play four notes and play them in as many different orders as you can try a couple of short notes some long notes can you skip notes just give them a couple of different things to think about uh i can do this with total beginners or if you do this with people who are a little bit more experienced and their goal as you said if you're talking to them secret number one and they say hey i'm having trouble with improvising or understanding scales or making melodic kind of phrases uh, and you listen to that and you go, oh, what's the next step? You know, number two, what's the easiest thing I can give them there? You can just go, okay, I'll get them improvising with a single scale. I'm going to show them how to memorize it in less than two minutes. And I'm just going to give them three to five things to uh, try experimenting with along that scale. Then they're going to play some amazing things that they've never played before, even though physically and technically it's very easy. All you've done is changed the uh, thought process and giving them a new way to think about it and then provided a safe learning environment where they really can't do anything wrong or if they do do something wrong it's just a silly mistake they would have made anyway and all of a sudden they're sounding awesome so it's not the same dry or boring way of teaching scales hey you need to play to play this for an exam or you need to do this to try and make your fingers move faster it's before, I think I was six years into my playing when I realized that, you know what, rather than playing to a metronome with my scales, I should have been trying to be as melodic as I can with these scales. And if you can do that with people, whether they're beginners, intermediate or advanced players, it makes a huge difference straight away. Exactly. For example, um, I've I've shifted from showing scales. The first time I saw this was with a friend of mine. He came over here and we were playing right here. And we're like, hey, I'm going to just play a chord progression. And, and he started playing and he started playing like scales, but like straight scales. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm playing a solo. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're playing scales. <laughs> so now what I teach very much in the fashion of how you teach when, when I'm trying to, to teach rock and, and blues and stuff like that, I just learn teach them a first I teach them one note and what you can do with the note like bending up bending down like sliding to the note sliding down you know in different um times inside of the song and then I show them the the, the little box you know the, the the house box or just the square box and how to squeeze all the juice out of that little box because now you're saying something with your plan you're not only going, you can do that very fast, but it really doesn't say anything. Whereas you can bend a note maybe on beat one, or you can bend it in beat one and a half, or you can bend it in beat two. It completely changes what you're saying and makes makes it like more juicy. Now suddenly you're you're playing music, you're not playing scales. You know? Yeah. The reason I teach the way I do now is because I used to play the way that your friend <laughs> plays. And, and that's literally how I played for the first half of my music career until it just 
why am I doing this wrong? Because how I practiced is how it came out in my playing. And when I started playing more, practicing more melodically and phrasing and paying attention to all that stuff, then I started to sound more musical. And uh, through no fault of anyone's apart from just, you know, you'd read in magazines, practice these to get faster or practice this way. And uh, just how many other students the world over or guitar players were doing the exact same thing I did. So many. And that's, again, coming back to it, why it's so important to us as teachers to come up with better ways of doing things and to educate our students is to go, all right, what are the goal here? What are the goals they have? What are the problems they have? And by listening to what they said, as you said, they will tell you everything that you need to keep them long-term as a student. If you listen properly, they will tell you all the things they need help with. Uh, they will show you unknowingly all the things they need help with. If you pay attention, you'll be able to figure out, oh, they're holding the pick wrong or that they breathe funny or their posture is terrible. All you need to do is pay attention. Exactly. And sometimes it's hidden. Like they won't tell you, um, I want to play like whatever, Eric Clapton, but they might mention Eric Clapton. That's like, okay. If you just mention Eric Clapton, it tells me that, that figure is important to you. So let's shift it to what he's doing. Let's shift it to what he, like, what, what can I show you that grabs your attention and then you're going to be happy, right? Many, many people, I, I know I suffer from this. I really don't know what I want many times. Like they ask, what do you want? Oh, I never thought about it, you know? But if you enter a conversation with me and you're paying attention, like you said, just by me answering questions, I might say it to you in a stealth mode, you know, like I might mention Eric Clapton and Eric Clapton is someone who I look up to and some who, someone who I've studied. So yeah, if you, you get where I'm, where I'm headed, right? hundred percent. Yeah. And if you're having trouble listening a response, cause some people, uh, uh, you probably find this with beginner students as well is they sometimes have trouble articulating what they want because they don't have the right terminology or the experience. Like their world's only this big in the beginning. It's not until you, uh, they get a greater awareness of guitar playing and skills that their world expands and you have more timing and terminology. So it's just, again, something that, that grows, but asking the right questions is a great way to elicit the response. Um, sometimes giving them some pre-selected ideas, uh, like if, if, you can't elicit it from them. If, if they can't articulate, you say, well, who's your favorite player? Or if you could sound like anyone, what would they be? So there's a couple of different things coming up like that. Uh, but we have been going for an enormous amount of time there, Dan, and I do appreciate your time. So is there any final pieces of wisdom you can put on our guitar teachers at this point in time and our listeners? Just publish, 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 publish. All the time, every day. Go live, ask questions. Any, just test everything. That's like my biggest advice. Just test quotes, test diagrams, test live videos, test um, pre-recorded videos, test everything till something clicks and then run with that. That's absolutely fantastic stuff. So, Den, thank you so much for coming on the podcast here. Where can our listeners find out more about yourself, your podcast, your uh, learning guitar secrets? Where can they hit you up? Yeah, you can. I'm super active on Facebook, so you can search for my profile, Dan Lopez. That's my personal profile. I'll be happy to chat there. And you can also check out my page, Learning Guitar Secrets. 
So guys, you know where to find the man. Dan, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate your time. I appreciate all the wonderful knowledge and experience that you've shared so far. And we'll look forward to having you on sometime in the future. So guys, go check him out. Thanks so much for coming on. And guys, thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Top Music Guitar Podcast. We'll see you in the next exciting episode. Peace out. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Bye. If you enjoy this show and want to hear more of our work, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. For links and resources mentioned in this episode, including a free ebook on how to find more guitar students, visit us at www.topmusic.co/guitar or check out the show notes. And lastly, thanks again for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.